Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Raj Jabalu. Raj, the Lakers are not playing, but this is the 20-year anniversary of one of my very, very favorite shots in Lakers history. One of my very favorite moments in Lakers history. Okay. 20 years ago today was when Robert Ori hit the three-pointer to make it a 2-2 series against Sacramento Kings in the Western Conference Finals, preventing the Lakers from falling down 3-1. Do you have any specific memories of that day and that robbery shot? Honestly, Sabrina. So I was not watching the Lakers until 2007, 2008. Did you rewatch um, it? I'm pretty sure I rewatched it on like the classic <laughs> games. Yeah, pretty sure. Um, so I don't have great memories about that. Um, Robert Ory, legend, uh, legendary. Legend. Went a lot of titles, honestly. But um, yeah, legendary Laker. Yeah, seven titles. That's crazy. Um, I specifically remember my dad's older brother was in town. He lives in Santa Cruz and he mm-hmm. used to come pretty frequently, you know, just for the weekends. Uh, he was rooting for the Kings, obviously in Northern California. Um, and you know, my dad diehard Laker fan passed it on to me and my brother. So the four of us were watching the game and you know, my uncle is just like solidly trash talking us, just like having a great time. With it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to get your licks in because the Lakers are two time defending champions. Like, Sacramento Kings right. lost to them in two previous playoffs. He's having a great time with it. Uh, and I, I know I just think the basketball gods rewarded the Lakers for going early because so many times you see teams in this situation when they're down and they need to score, they wait until the end of the clock. And I will yeah. never understand why, because you get multiple opportunities if you go early. And so Kobe went early, Shaq got a chance, and then the ball drifted out and Robert Ory got a chance. And what do you know? Give yourself three shots at something. One of them is bound to go in. I My think- favorite is the Vlade Divac calling that a lucky, uh, lucky shot. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that would have been great in like the Twitterverse era to have, <laughs> have that kind of quote come out. You know, I, ha- I always think about the reaction shot in Staples Center, like the video that you see of someone in the stands recording it and just oh, the yeah. entire building rises for that moment. It might be like possibly the greatest moment that's ever taken place in Staples Center. But until today, I had never really realized Kobe's reaction. So Robert Ory was tweeting about it. And he mm-hmm. said, my favorite part is Kobe because he's celebrating before the shot even goes in. He knows it's going to happen. And I watched <laughs> it and I was like, yeah, he puts both his arms up before the shot even goes in. <laughs> I, I'd never seen that part before. I was just watching <laughs> Rob and the ball and, you know, a dejected Chris Weber coming out for a closeout, just forever on the wrong side of seminal basketball moments that Chris Weber, uh, but yeah, just a, a wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, I enjoy when the Lakers are actually in the playoffs, actually winning oh, playoff it. series. I'm actually playing games in Staple Center or Crypto.com Arena, whatever you want to call it. The building in downtown Los Angeles where they play their home games. It's nice when that building is allowed to host playoff games. It has been a minute since that has happened. Obviously, they did play against Phoenix last year, but those were limited attendance, not quite the right. same vibe. Um, I just I I have had such a hard time watching the NBA playoffs this year. Um, not just because the Lakers suck and I'm bitter, but it's partly because of that. It's definitely because it's a lot that. to do with it. I don't think the games have been great, frankly. Um, no, but it was nice to be reminded of a time when, oh yeah, the Lakers were awesome in winning Western conference championships. And they were the dynasty that everyone was looking to dethrone instead of the golden state warriors. And I would like to point out that the Lakers do not celebrate conference titles the way the golden <laughs> state did. They do a much more measured job of winning a conference championship. Um, but yeah, Hey, celebrate. It's, 
world sucks. It's nice to be able to celebrate good things that happen. Very happy for Clay Thompson and nobody else. Yeah. And now we have an actual, you know, award for the Western Conference. Uh, I believe I believe it's the Oscar Robertson Western Conference Championship. I think it's Magic and, Johnson, actually. No, Magic Johnson is the Western Conference MVP. Oh, so there's okay. two. Yeah. So there's the Oscar Robertson Championship. Um, and then Magic Johnson, Western Conference MVP. So happy for Steph, you know, to finally get a a personal a personal oh my gosh it's uh, so award. stupid can i can i just butt in for a second if sure. you're gonna have another award like the problem with the finals mvp <laughs> is that it only encompasses one series right right like you get these anomalous happenstances like andre guadala or tony parker winning a finals mvp because mm-hmm. it only encompasses five or six games or however long that series lasted yeah to me the whole point of introducing another award is so that it it can cover more ground, you know, but if you're only going to have it cover one series again, what are we doing? (laughs) Why can't we just have like a Western conference playoffs award? Like, don't you think it'd be so much more meaningful if Steph won the Western conference playoffs award or like, it'd actually be interesting to think like maybe Luca could have won that, or maybe, I don't know. I mean, no one on losing teams is probably going to win it. That wasn't in the Western conference finals, but like, right. uh, It's just like, why bring magic Johnson into this? If it's just going to be, uh, I, I don't like I don't like the idea of it, but anyway, well, sorry. Well, to, sorry for me being bitter again. Continue no, you're, with your you're Warriors. Well, to your point, like I honestly, when they were naming that, I wasn't sure who they were gonna t- say. I thought they're gonna say Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, like they yeah. could have went anywhere with that. So to your point, um, it could have went anywhere with that award. But no, the Warriors numbers are actually absurd. I didn't even know this. Steve Kerr is 21 and two now in playoff series since he's taken the golden state warrior job it's and obviously obviously in two years they didn't make the playoffs but serena those two years did not feel like Warriors fans and steph curry's like you know this was this this one feels a lot better because no one thought we were going to be here it honestly didn't feel like that it feels long like they've been here the whole time <laughs> i never for once was like oh the warriors are done i never once thought that and they just somehow reloaded in an absolute absurd way. They're, so I tweeted this today. They have two rookies who are contributing at a super high level. Moses yep. Moody and Jonathan Kaminga are contributed very highly in high-level playoff basketball moments. Mm-hmm. So their number two pick can't even play over their minimum signing center. Like, just, it's an absurd bevy of talent. And, you like, know, they a- arguably wasted the best tool they had, you know, to kickstart this second era. Right. Arguably. I mean, I'm not saying that James Wiseman is done. Like, you know, he's only in the second year in the league. There's a long way. Sure. He could easily become a great player. I imagine LaMelo on the ball, but yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and to like punt that away, but still just nail minimum signing after minimum signing and keep Kevon Looney on this team who just, what a, I, I don't want to say a warrior because it just seems like too punny, but like just what it's a fitting. workhorse. Mm-hmm. Like he's oh my God. 18 rebounds today. Like just try going five out. I, I think, I think John Hollinger tweeted this, like the NBA playoffs where every center gets played off the floor, except Kavon. <laughs> like, how is that possible? How is he the guy who manages to stay against every possible offensive line of configuration that you want to throw at him? It's, it's disgusting watching the Warriors. I gotta tell you, it's disgusting. I mean, I thought we were done with them. I really did. And then first game of the season, <laughs> The Lakers blow that double digit lead against them. Carmelo Anthony pump fix our way at the free throw line out of an opening night win. Just gives them all the momentum they need to get to this point. Right. Yeah. Well, well when Mello. I'm watching <laughs> when, when I'm watching that, I want to ask you because you're not to just revert this all the way back to those horrible the horrible Laker team we just watched. Sure. But 
So the Warriors, it wasn't a long hiatus, but it was a two-year hiatus. We mm-hmm. had a one-year hiatus, we'll say, right? We're currently the Warriors, in the middle they, of a one-year hiatus. <laughs> we're in the middle of a one-year hiatus. They had a fork in the road, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of their fan complaints, I would say, was why doesn't Steve Court change or adapt to the roster he had? Why didn't he run more pick and rolls, right? Why wasn't he just putting Steph Curry at the top and turning him into James Harden, right? Mm-hmm. And Steve Kerr's like, no, I have a system that I've established that wins and the players are going to fit into my system or we're going to go get players that fit into it, right? So you had Kelly mm-hmm. Oubre, um, Kent Bazemore, Bazemore, you know, yeah. running these Clay Thompson actions. And obviously that wasn't going to be successful. And look, Frank Vogel is not Steve Kerr. I'm not saying he is, but Frank Vogel had a system. He had a system in place that has proven it wins, right? There was mm-hmm. a system of defensive, however you want to say it, scheme or actions that he ran. They, he thought this was successful. And we took a summer and absolutely threw all that out. And now we've, and we've also thrown the coach out and now we are in another rebuild. So I'm just looking at these two teams. We went totally two di- We chose two totally different directions there. Sabrina, can we learn anything from this in this? Like if you have something, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or is this, are the Warriors more of like just an anomaly here where this is just a championship core that's proven it can win multiple times in different systems. Cause I'm looking at this. I'm like, we, we just broke up a championship core with a coach we, we wanted the coach to change, to shift his, uh, his identities on stuff. We wanted Frank Vogel to, you know, change his offenses, whatever mm-hmm. system, whatever you want to call it. They, Steve Kerr never, you know, batted eye, and he probably had a little bit more um, organizational security than Frank yeah, Vogel yeah. had, to say the least. But can we learn anything from, from uh, what we just saw with the Warriors? You know, Steve Kerr, once Wiseman got hurt last year, just said, F it, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. They, they like, mm-hmm. you know basically exiled uh, Uber from the rotation. He wasn't starting anymore. They used Bays as, as limited as possible. Um, they finished the year 15 and five, right? They nearly Developed beat pool. us mm-hmm. in the play-in. Um, you know, Memphis is a bad matchup for them. They couldn't quite get past them in the play-in. Like it, to me, I keep thinking that Golden State was in the playoffs last year, even though they weren't, because they were, they were just right there, right? Like, I don't think of last year as a lost year by any means. They did a lot of important like rebuilding and retooling that got them to this point, you know, this, this season doesn't happen without that March, April for Jordan pool last year, right? The season doesn't happen without them refiguring out and like recommitting to their identity in those last two, three months of the season. Right. I think Zach Lowe was talking about this. They're just, they're on off numbers with Steph and Draymond last year, which is off the charts. (laughs) Like it was still a really good team with a lot of crappy players bringing them down. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, Steve Kerr just having more organizational security. Like it helps to have synergy between the front office and the coaching staff. And clearly the Lakers did not have that, not even close. Like the team that the front office built was entirely diametrically opposed to the team that Frank Vogel wanted to coach. And it's much easier to give your coach the leash to run things the way he wants to, when you've gone to five consecutive NBA finals and you've won three of them. Frank Vogel had two years of data, right? One of them, was a finals, but then one of them was a first round playoff loss. A playoff loss that I think is judged way too harshly considering the circumstances that surrounded that series. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to believe in the method of Steve Kerr than it is Frank Vogel just because of the several years of data that the Warriors yeah. had supporting that hypothesis. And the way the Warriors play, like kudos to the Warriors for just introducing a little bit of stylistic diversity into this NBA ecosystem. Because I remember talking to Ty Lu earlier this season about you know, game planning during the regular season. And he said, well, 
95% of NBA offense is the same. And then you play the Warriors. So uh, it's, it's nice that there is a team that chooses to do things differently and has leveraged the talents of Steph Curry, a generational superstar who, I mean, let other people talk about his legacy just because that's not the kind of yeah. thing that I feel well-equipped to talk about considering I don't focus on the Warriors specifically, but they turned Steph Curry, not into James Harden, but they made him an entirely unique thing that nobody else can replicate. Maybe Jordan Poole, apparently, but nobody else outside of the Warriors can replicate. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that they stuck to their guns and that their guns were something entirely different from what the rest of the league was doing. Like, I think that's, that's to be commended. Right. And as much as I hate Northern California teams, and it bums me out that the people who cheer for the San Francisco giants are also cheering for this Warriors team and get to be happy about this. God, that kills me. Um, this is a team that kept the players that they drafted. They drafted well. They kept the players that they drafted. Mm-hmm. They paid through the nose in luxury tax to keep those players. And then, you know, they just kept winning, right? <laughs> like they kept their core together and they kept winning. And if it were happening in another city, I feel like I'd be a lot more appreciative of it. <laughs> but hey, kudos to the Warriors. And now please, please beat the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And oh, on that playing game, I mean, it took what, like, I think six threes from John Morant as well. So to, to keep them out of the playoffs um, mm-hmm. in that playing game, I mean, they lost Kevin Durant for D'Angelo Russell, turned that into Andrew Wiggins. And we joke and about Jonathan Kaminga and, and Jonathan Kaminga. Yes. And, you know, we joke about heat culture and all that stuff. And I, to me, like this Andrew Wiggins thing doesn't happen on any team. Like this is not something you throw this Andrew Wiggins on another team and he becomes this and i tweeted before if andrew wiggins is this good it's kind of unfair i mean he's kind of better than 2016 harrison barnes like in a like i think he I is think he, better than 2016 <laughs> harrison barnes like, yeah like obviously he's not kd i'm gonna go there but no, like we're not going there <laughs> but he's like 50 percent of what like you know what i mean love like lockdown defenders it's hard for me to compare people to kevin durant but yeah, yeah let's 100%. just say that he's better than the version of harrison barnes that actually won a title with the golden state warriors exactly and harrison barnes shot like i think two for 20 or something from three in, a, in one of the bad. finals so it's, it's a low bar to clear for him but not just that he's picking up full court he has luke don just picking up full court like that's something that that's a culture thing that's a you have, you know, years and years of built stability in mm-hmm. there to where you can get a guy like that and be like, no, you have to follow what we do here. Do the Lakers have that? I think LeBron has that of himself. Like, I think LeBron's a culture of himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Anthony Davis is a part of that in, in some in some way. If you were some, ever around to be a part of that. <laughs> some shape or form. Uh, but yeah, that's why I look at the Warriors and I'm like, we were there two years ago. Like, it's mm-hmm. not that far back. The Warriors went through a two-year hiatus. We just said it didn't feel like two years. We were there two years ago, Serena, right. and we we p- picked a different path. And I think they're still way back there. But like you look at their Westbrook trade, like Steve Kerr would have been talked to you about that, right? He would have been uh, you'd he think would have a- <laughs> he would have been asked, like, "Hey, what do you think about this? Do you think Frank Vogel was in the room for that? I don't think he was. I don't I believe think, he was. Yeah. I think Frank Vogel showed up to training camps, like, "Oh, this is my roster. Okay, cool. Let me let me Let's see what I can figure it do. out. So, yeah. Let's figure it out. Yeah. So I think it's just interesting where um, teams go from here, and that's my number one hope for the team is that. We have some kind of, you know, uh, everyone walking in the same path, ownership, coaches, players, whatever you have it. I mean, you look at the Warriors, this roster and the one that made the finals in 2019, like how much of it is still in place? You still have Steve Curry. You still have Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre, Looney. Like there's there's a core group there. How much of the 2020 Lakers is still in place? It's LeBron and AD. <laughs> I think that's it. And THT, I suppose. 
but yeah. he didn't play in the finals in 2020. Mm-hmm. No, that's it. He wasn't. Yeah, that's your team from from a, from a title winning team. I guess that's what you mean by like LeBron being a culture, right? So I I don't know how much credit to give the Warriors for Andrew Wiggins. Like obviously they deserve a lot of credit, but he was on arguably the worst place for him to develop for his first five or you know whatever how many sure. seasons he was in Minnesota. So I think part of it is Minnesota was terrible and then Golden State was obviously a marked improvement from that. But I do wonder how he would have improved if he had just been given another opportunity somewhere else, like a, a moderately competent organization as opposed to the Warriors. But I do think Golden State deserves a lot of credit for just motivating him too. I mean, when he became an all-star starter, I remember Steve Kerr's press conference. He said, this is probably the proudest I've ever been as a head coach. And that man mm-hmm. has won three titles won 73 games during the regular season and said you know what the k-pop voters getting andrew wiggins for the all-star game <laughs> that is my favorite moment as a head coach so I, I do think that that motivation plays a big part into where andrew wiggins is but you know it's it's disgusting i just want to come back to that that it's really like revolting that a team that just dominated this conference for five years we thought we were done with just came back like nothing has happened and they look terrifying. I don't particularly see how either team from the East is going to beat them. And I also yeah. don't really see how they're supposed to take a step back next year because yeah, maybe you can't bring back Otto Porter on a minimum, but we've seen that, you know, when veterans find a place that they like, you know, they like the fit, they like the culture, like yeah. I think in Nico Batum in LA, they come back for a discount. You know, they just want to hang out and be part of the good vibes. You've still got all of those core players we were talking about. Kaminga gets better. Moody gets better. Wiggins, incredibly, still in his athletic prime, I think. <laughs> Wiseman maybe plays. Jordan Poole gets better. Like This is, once again, a team that is positioned to win for the long term, and I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> yeah, the Jordan Poole thing is, is kind of insane. I mean, he was playing G League games last year like like he was playing actual g league games and now like 14 months any, ago g-league 14 months ago yeah and you watch any national broadcast now and they call him little steph or whatever whatever you know uh, name you want to give him and he's copied steph shots you know pretty closely those step back threes those sidestep threes so it's insane the development kind of the thing that they have going on there um i think kenny atkinson is a big part of that as well um who's one of the coaching candidates for us but yeah it's crazy we didn't and again wiseman just sitting on the bench there hasn't even their number two pick hasn't even stepped on the floor yet. And it's just absurd. The talent they have Jordan Poole looks like, you know, he could be the third best player on the title team. Was he third or fourth uh, past Draymond? But it's no, he's not past Draymond. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, not past Draymond. Yet. But uh, he's this wasn't great. a great Draymond series. But you notice when there are times that like Draymond really exerts his influence. I think the Memphis series was a much clearer example yeah. of what Draymond brings to the table. It seemed like he was kind of coasting for parts of this series, to be perfectly honest. And they didn't need him to be perfect because no. just their inherent advantages over a completely gassed Dallas Mavericks team. Your Dallas Mavericks, Rash. I forgot. Yes. Your Dallas Mavericks. My Dallas Mavericks, who did it, who put up a good fight. You know, it was they a did. Good they series. got a lot further than I ever thought they would. I picked they, them to they, lose to Utah in the first round when I thought Luca was hurt. We proved you wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they were they were good though. The, I don't think they were ready. I think Luca needs to be in a little bit better shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dallas's team, I look at them and I'm like, we aren't as far from them as I think. They we, uh, destroy us every time we play them. The <laughs> one time 
we have beaten Dallas in the last was without Luca was without Luca and it required an Austin Reeves game winner. I don't mean this team, Sabrina. I mean, like (laughs) next year, if we could have an okay off season, I think we should be okay. I asked Aaron this question and uh, he actually didn't go too crazy when I asked him. So I want to ask you, because I think he was a little bit more optimistic than uh, than than most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just answer this with a percentage uh, and, and don't go crazy on me. Okay. So fill in the blank here. All right. So healthy Kendrick Nunn can be blank percentage of Jalen Brunson next year. <laughs> I saw you post this on Twitter. Okay. I thought we were done with it, honestly. Okay. Healthy I wanted to hear your opinion Kendrick on this. Honestly. Nunn. Healthy Kendrick Nunn, which someone tweeted at me was uh, <laughs> was an oxymoron, which, you know, I think was kind of rude. But but yeah, what, uh, what do you think of the last time I really remember watching Kendrick Nunn play was when he was just dusted off in the 2020 finals because Goran Dragic had gotten hurt. Miami wasn't even playing him in their playoff rotation until absolutely necessary because Goran was unavailable. So this is what I remember of Kendrick Nunn. He had a couple decent showings in the finals. I truly believe those decent showings in the finals are why he is with the Los Angeles Lakers right now. You cannot prove otherwise, but Jalen Brunson I mean, we're a year removed from him being played off the court in the playoffs too. So it's not like he's, you know, the end all be all of backup point guards or six men or whatever. Give me your percentage. Jalen, his ability to create, just bully his way to the basket. It's not something that I really associate with Kendrick Nunn. Neither of them are particularly outstanding defenders. So it's kind of a wash there. Sure. Uh, Can Kendrick shoot? Like, honestly, like... Like 40%. <laughs> okay. Okay. I said, if we get 50, I'd be like ecstatic. Like if we can get 50% Jalen from Kendrick Nunn, that's ecstatic to me from, for what Jalen Brunson is going to be paid next what year. What did Aaron say? Aaron said, that's totally fair. <laughs> like you could expect, <laughs> he didn't give me a give percentage. A he didn't give a percentage, but um, he, he said, that's fair. You know, that you can expect at least if Kendrick Nunn is healthy to give you some kind of scoring punch there. Um, from the point guard position. That's all I'm asking. I think Jalen Brunson is a lot better player. Um, I'm saying if we can get half that for what Kendrick Nunn gives you next year, because um, I think it's important, Serena, we don't have many avenues to get better. So in-house has to be a place you look. It's, Taylor's it's, got to get better. Yeah. Austin's got to get better. <laughs> Poor Austin. It was so good this year. Like Stanley and Wenyon stick around. They've got to get better. I hope we're not relying on it's bleak one. Raj. It's bleak. The in-house options to improve are bleak. Unless you still think that Anthony Davis can get better, which I suppose him being on the court would be an improvement over what happened last year. But I, I don't need Anthony Davis to get better. I just need him to be at the level that he was to be I don't... present. Present. Yes. And you know, so, so Anthony Davis, I didn't see many people speak on this, but Anthony Davis didn't make an all NBA team, which I think should have gotten more, you know, play enough games I'm, to make I'm, an all I'm, NBA team. How is this I'm, even a discussion, Raj? I understand that, but I still think that should be like, you know, something that a topic I like, he didn't make no, an all NBA team. No, I think was in his prime should be making all NBA teams. He played 40 something games this year. I understand it's not enough, but like, even if he was healthy, he would he be considered? Games. Okay. 40, 40 games. But like, even if let's say he was, he played all those games at the level that he played at this year. Would you have put him on the all NBA team? I mean, he was definitely an all-star consideration. back in February. So yeah, I would think about it, but like between the all-star break and the end of the season, how much Anthony Davis did we see? Very little. And in any games that actually mattered, 
Right. Yeah. Statistically, his profile looks pretty good this season. You know, 23 points per game, 10 rebounds, three assists, you know, two turnovers that came down a little bit, 2.3 blocks, three point shooting, obviously horrific. Uh, the free throw shooting really what kills me. This guy was an ace free throw shooter before he got to the Lakers. And now he's just barely cracking the 70% barrier. That's got to get better. But no, I think the reason we're not having the Anthony Davis discussion is because you cannot play less than half the season and be considered for an end of season award. Unless it's of course, like the, the April all NBA season, if the NBA wants to introduce that, sure. Let's add another small sample size award that we can, you know, give out to players. I feel like you're not for the midseason tournament, are you? <laughs> I actually kind of like the midseason tournament. Okay. I think giving teams any opportunity to play with stakes is a good idea okay. because there are so many teams that most of their season is inconsequential. Like, sure. All due respect, the Orlando Magic, the Detroit Pistons, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The... Was that not what the play-in was for? Like, that's the whole no, point. No, no, they're the not even in the play-in. They don't even get to that point of the play-in. So this is such just a something small else. amount of teams. Okay. I just think the idea of playing for stakes is so crucial. Like I think about the Phoenix Suns about, you know, this idea all the time because they only get to the bubble because the NBA needs to even out the number of teams because they have to invite the Pelicans, right? Sure. So they have to invite the Suns just to get an even number of teams. And what do the Suns do? They win every game out of the seeding games. And I do think that there is a direct line between that experience getting Chris Paul in the off season and then just jump starting what the last two years have been for Phoenix. Sure. And if they hadn't been invited to the bubble, you can't really convince me that these last two years, they would have been a meaningful player in the NBA contender status. So you just need to give teams an opportunity to play games that actually matter. And it's so hard when there are so many games and like, these lottery bound teams just have nothing to play for over the last two months of the season. I think a midseason tournament could be cool. I do hope that it comes with a reduction in regular season games. Cause then it also makes those games mean more. So it's like a double yeah. win. Um, I don't see that happening. I don't think they're going to lessen the games. Cause then you would lessen the money. Right. So then it would, I know, but that's the point of the midseason tournament is that you okay. add games so that the net is even sure. You know? Okay. I also just think like, Silver always talks about the, the the soccer model, you know, like the international soccer model and how they play for multiple things throughout the course of the regular season. I like that idea too, because, mm-hmm. you know, Golden State finished a distant third in the Western Conference and nobody's going to give a crap when it's all said and done because they're going to, you know, put up an NBA championship banner. And I, sure. I just wish that there were more incentives to play well all the time. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I just like, to me, I, I'm not sure. I think it would be pretty tough to get, actual NBA stars to care about that because I think the championship holds so much more value. Like I still think you're going to see people resting guys or, you know, at least, at least to start, we'll see how the midseason tournament, whenever they um, apply, it goes, but mm-hmm. I think it'd be tough still. Like I, I, I like the plan. I like, I like what it's done. Uh, I do think it devalues the regular season even more. And I'm, I worried like the midseason tournament would do similar things. Like, see, I it, disagree it, about the plan devaluing the regular season because I think it creates more stratification like it makes you want to get to that six seed you know sure because i mean two years running the eighth seed in the western conference has not made the playoffs right Mm -hmm. so there are just so many more incentives to keep trying to move up in the standings even at the very end of the regular season right 
like two years ago, the difference between being sixth and eighth in the Western conference, like, yeah, the one seed is probably better. You probably don't want to play them in the first round. Right. It's not that big of a deal. Now, even the difference between seventh and eighth is huge just mm-hmm. to get that extra shot at, you know, winning and advancing to the playoffs. I don't know. I like the plan in terms of the way it mm-hmm. makes the seedings, you know, more important because otherwise like nobody cares, you know, like if you finish four <laughs> five or six, like it really doesn't matter. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes those teams care a little bit more during the regular season. And even then, like you want to be two over three because you get a tired opponent in the first round. Right. You know, I don't yeah. know. I like it. Especially like anything that Mark Cuban dislikes. I'm definitely <laughs> pro. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure the, the Suns were f- happy at first to get the Pelicans, you know, because of the, the playing situation. Mm-hmm. And then they gave them hell. The Suns, I was watching today's game, Sabrina. I was like, I can't believe they're not here. Like, I yeah. can't believe they didn't at least get to here, right? Like, yeah. this was the minimum expectation for Phoenix. We get Agreed. a Phoenix Warriors Western Conference Finals. Uh, that we're looking forward to, and we just didn't get it. And I didn't think the Suns would beat the Warriors, full disclosure. I thought the team in the West that had the best chance of beating the Warriors was the Grizzlies. That turned Mm -hmm. out basically to be true. I think they gave them the toughest series, even without Ja for the last three (laughs) games or whatever. Um, But yeah, for them not to be here, like kudos to Dallas for putting up a really good fight, and they almost win game two. They're right there a couple times. Um, It just looked like a team that has never been here before versus a team that does this in their sleep, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's true. Dallas had not won a playoff series since 2011. Yeah. How many playoff series have the Golden State Warriors won since then? Well, we know 21 for Steve Kerr, plus another, another one for Mark Jackson, 22. So yeah, in the, in the time that the Dallas Mavericks had won no playoff series, the Warriors had won 18 because we're not counting these three, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more institutional knowledge on how to win. <laughs> Yeah, they weren't ready for this one um, to win. But, yeah, it's just tough watching them, Serena. I, it's tough not being here at all. I feel like the whole point of having LeBron on your team is like you're here. It's you're to in be this, here. <laughs> it's to at least be here. Um, it's tough. We're going to have another long summer. But congratulations, I guess, to the, to the Golden State Warriors. Go go beat Boston if they win. Uh, Miami not, wins. I will be rooting for the Heat, even though I don't think it is. Me too. I don't even think Miami is going to force a game seven. But Oh, wow. Okay. Do you think so? I mean, Jimmy has like no legs left. Kyle Lowry has no legs left. Tyler Hero is out. Max Struess hasn't made a shot since what May? I mean, like April. <laughs> um, I, I refuse to believe Boston beats this team four out of five because they were down two one in or three out of four. If I'm doing my math right. They were down two one in this series. Uh, my they yeah. tied the first two. Miami won game three. I'll say they were up two one, and now Boston is somehow up uh three two. So they've only right. won two in a row. So they, they would win in three yes. in a row. Three in a row. They, yes. Even the games that Miami won, it was just one stupid run when Boston turned the ball over again and again and again. And then Miami just reeled off a ton of points. But yeah, I have, but I have I no mean, faith in Miami Heat. Those games have been horrific. Just disgusting basketball. Objectively yeah. setting the game of basketball back years. <laughs> Each one of the teams turn into the Lakers in every yeah. other game. They just and decide to quit. That's that's as a compelling of a reason to root for the Warriors is because they actually play attractive basketball that people <laughs> like watching and they deserve to win for subscribing to the entertainment portion of the NBA. Yeah. But I would like some close games. Give me a couple of close games in the finals, when please. Have we gotten a close game? It has been so long. Even the only close game I believe in the Eastern conference finals was the one where 
Butler got hurt and then couldn't play the second half. And then Boston just makes a miraculous charge at the end. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like it was a back and forth game. It was just, oh, the lead gets smaller and smaller and smaller, which I don't think is nearly as entertaining as like an actual close game work. No. Yeah. It's not back and forth. It's like a huge lead. Yeah. Usually then it's like a 13 0 fake run. Yeah. Right. And then and fake comeback. Like, we love a fake comeback on this side of things. <laughs> and Mike Breen's like, oh, they got it to 12. I'm like, oh, yep. man. <laughs> the, the other team just scores five straight to end the game. Oh, my um, gosh. Give us some close games, please. Yeah. It's, it sucks. But this is uh, really way too negative for you and I to be on a podcast that is called oh, I Love Basketball. Absolutely. Just way too negative. Um, so we're going to talk about something that is just way more positive for the last few minutes here. Raj, I believe you went to your first Sparks game yesterday, if I am not mistaken. That is correct. I went to yeah. my first Sparks game. Really fun, really different experience than a Laker game, mm-hmm. uh, for sure, in a lot of ways. But it was fun. It's the only basketball in town. And I think yep. a lot more people should be going. Now that the Dallas Mavericks are eliminated from the postseason, Christy Tolliver, who is Projected to be the starting shooting guard for the Los Angeles Sparks, also an assistant coach for the Mavericks, finally gets to come back. So the Sparks will have their full roster available in the next few days or so, whenever Christy makes her way out to Los Angeles. I guess she's just in the Bay, so it's not too far. But um, Raj, what do you think? What what stood out to you about the way the Sparks play? Any anything uh, you think they should be learning from the Lakers or vice versa? <laughs> I think it definitely should be vice vice versa. I saw some people <laughs> suggesting that the Sparks should hire Frank Vogel. And to be honest, I'm here for it. I well, love the first, first thing, Sabrina, is I'm, I felt old watching Derek Fisher, like as the <laughs> as the coach. You know, I thought that was kind of strange Derek for Fisher me. Derek Fisher was least. in that game against Sacramento Kings 20 years ago. <laughs> he was in that game. He was winning titles uh, in the Serena playing. And mm-hmm. I just felt, you know, so awkward watching him. But no, it's really fun. Uh Liz Cambage is a lot. I hope I'm saying that right. Liz Cambage. Yeah, is, absolutely. Uh, she is a lot. Is a, <laughs> I mean, she's a lot bigger, like in person than mm-hmm. you would even see on TV. I love how they play through her in the post. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool how she play makes um, out of the post and how they like run actual actions and stuff like that for like Katie. Run Lou actual off, actions. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Lou coming off screens and, and uh, maybe because it's just one of my first games, but like there's not really foul baiting like in the WNBA. It's a very clean game. What mm-hmm. would you say that's fair? Like, I mean, there is definitely some selling of fouls, and mm-hmm. certain people are more demonstrative than others. I thought Skylar Diggins Smith on Phoenix is oh, she's so good. One of the players who I think tries to sell fouls more often than others, okay. but she just was not being defended particularly closely, so she didn't have to do that much. <laughs> Her reaction when Kennedy Carter blocked her in transition was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And then she kind of stood over her too, which is yeah. a really cool moment. Really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was cool. I thought, uh, I believe her name was uh, Jordan Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, really fun player. Nice. Sparks and Lakers, both led by UCLA point guards. <laughs> Step back. For jumpers. how long? <laughs> <laughs> Step back jumper smooth. Uh, it was, it was a cool, fun game. It just felt like a really clean game. Um, it was kind of weird because even though I didn't really watch the WNBA, obviously you watch Deanna Tarasi. Like you, mm-hmm. you can't miss Deanna Tarasi as a basketball fan. Terrible game. It was, <laughs> it was weird seeing her like that old, right? Like I, because <laughs> in my head, like Deanna Tarasi is still this like, you know, super flamboyant mm-hmm. player, flies off screens, pulling up three point jump shutters. And she's just jogging her way up and down the court, you know, standing in the corner, pulling up threes. So uh, it was interesting watching that, but it's a, it's a super fun game. Yeah, at age 40, Diana definitely picks her games when she wants She's to go all now. out and when she doesn't. And they just had a game against Vegas over the weekend, national okay. TV game, where she definitely showed up. Mm-hmm. And you could tell this one against the Sparks team that only had two wins. 
you know, mm-hmm. just a regular local TV, Amazon Prime game. I think it didn't bring out the very best in D. <laughs> but luckily, Skylar was awesome. I thought Diamond to Shields was really fun to watch. She just so good, so good at getting her own shot. Um, but yeah, like you said, the way they play make around, well, the way they let Liz play make in the post, um, just all of those little curls and cuts around her. Um, there was one time where she didn't even notice Kennedy cutting around her and Kennedy just had to yell like, Hey, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, Hey. And then Liz mm-hmm. finally passed it to her. <laughs> but yeah. It reminded uh, me of like, uh, when we had Marcus all honestly, like that's, that's what I thought of when I was watching it. I was like, <sighs> so remember that? Do you remember that first preseason games for me? That was against oh the Clippers. Uh, LeBron and AD didn't play, but Kawhi and Paul George did. I know. Taylor Hor- and Mark. Taylor Horn Tucker looked like. <laughs> Taylor Horn Tucker looked like the next Kawhi. Like it looked insane, absurd. Okay. But Marcus All was just at the top and just diamond we people cutting. up. It yeah. was KCP cutting, Kyle Kuzma cutting, THC cutting. It was just a super fun brand of basketball. And that's what I thought the Sparks were, honestly. It was really yeah. cool. Um, Katie Lou, though, actually just what a jump shot she has. It's just, so pretty. Her sister's is even nicer. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It was so fun. And then uh, I believe uh, Chine, uh, she was, or Neka, I think, was the one who was, who was scoring. Just, just super fun. Yeah. And, fundamental game just has yeah, everything really jab, work is incredible. Jab, jab step pull up transition three just post up uh, hook shots like i was like wow she's just super technically sound as a basketball yeah. player so the sparks had this like lull the last two years offensively where their defense was awesome just really really good uh okay forcing more turnovers than any team in the league like getting out in transition really well but their half court offense was a freaking slog and so they sort of read um, retooled this offseason and made an emphasis to actually find some shooting and players who could play in the half court. And it okay. has, it has damaged the defense a little bit like that needs to be fixed. But for now it is a far more watchable product than it was a year ago. And I agree mm-hmm. with you. Just, I think you hit on everything like the Liz, the NECA, the Katie Louis, it all um, just a fun team to watch play. And I'm just going to say this every week until somebody tells me to stop but like people should be coming to Sparks games because they're really fun to watch. And it's, it's a good environment. I think their DJ is hilarious. And oh, he's, he's, he's really absolutely. funny. He like does Rams games too. Uh, if, you know, people ever go to those. He's just an LA guy. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have a great time every time I go out to a Sparks game, win or lose, because it's just a really fun vibe all the time. Like it's, it's a little bit like lower stress than a Laker game for me, uh, even though I always want them to win. But yeah. They're just no, yeah. People should come. Yeah. It was it was really fun, yeah. And and then Diggin Smith, just a star. I think she was she was so good that night. Just I think mm-hmm. she had she had twenty eight points. Um, I think like they only had like thirty or thirty four points, and she had like seventeen. I think literally like was... every time the Sparks turned the ball over, Skylar was scoring on the other <laughs> end every single time. She had like a rainbow three two. I think coming off her the jump shot has some arc on it. Yeah she's she's good um so the sparks like uh, they're only what they're three and five three and five, yeah. three and five now okay they're still in like contention. road games you, okay yeah road games you still see them like as a they can like contend or like you i see, said like, before the start of the season i see them yeah. as a bottom half playoff team at the moment yeah. but you just got to get in you know yeah and for sure they didn't get in last year which sucked last game of the season needed to win can't get like offensive rebound on or a defensive rebound on the final possession to like give themselves a chance. And clearly I spend way too much time thinking about these things, but yeah, I still see them as like a back half playoff team. They're currently in the eighth seed, you know, so right there, top eight teams make the playoffs and I expect them to kind of hit their stride. The moment they get a home stand, they don't really get mm-hmm. one until like end of June, July ish, because again, 
WNBA schedulers keep the sparks away from home during the NBA playoffs, thinking that the Clippers and Lakers will need the building. And they did not. <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> well, I guess last question for you. When I'm watching, um, and it's a totally different game, obviously, but mm-hmm. I'm watching like Liz Cambage run it, go up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. Is that like sustainable in like high level games? I feel like that that's really tough. Like she seems kind of slower on that end. It's she uh, definitely is slower. Yeah, on, on that end, especially defensively, um, mm-hmm. looks like it's kind of hard for her to go back and forth. Is that something you think other teams really take advantage of uh, or not really in the WNBA? No, no, teams will much- absolutely take advantage of it. I can okay. tell you that Vegas already has. They okay. ran just up and down the Sparks like nobody's business last week. Yeah, uh, I believe they played on Monday. Mm. Monday? I don't know. Games, days all blur together, but... Yeah, that is something that the Sparks will have to figure out because in the past couple of seasons, they've been this really aggressive, like hard hedging, almost trapping defense, mobile bigs. I don't think you'd call any of their bigs like a traditional center on the past two rosters. Mm-hmm. And so it's been interesting to watch them meld that style with Liz, who is very much a drop back, like yeah. protect the paint big who wants to run things slowly and methodically. And that is not the way the Sparks have played. So you're seeing Liz get some numbers and the Sparks also not win games. And once they figure out how to meld those two together, it'll be interesting because like, I've already seen the Sparks close some games where, you know, they, they just take Liz off the floor and put in Janae because she's a little bit more athletic Yeah, and um, she's not nearly as skilled offensively as Liz is or able to, you know, dominate inside the way Liz is. Right. So navigating that is probably like my primary concern about the Sparks so far, but like having more talent, I think is always a good thing. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that resolves itself. Yeah, and I love the two the two girl game between Anika and Liz. I think that can grow. The high low is really was, good. It was so cool to watch them two work. Two Anneka's stars playing together game is awesome. It's oh, so good. It's so good. She's so technically sound. Like every mm-hmm. jab step has a purpose. Every you know every um, every pull up is is on point. So she was yeah. it was cool to watch her play. Yeah, uh, just a a good solid team built together with like you know actual spacing concerns like <laughs> thought about during the offseason <laughs> ah it's we have a summer to fix it so yeah, we, we have, have a summer to fix it um yeah they talked about the coaching search on yesterday's show i believe um terry stotts kenny atkinson darvin ham still in the run if doc rivers becomes available i assume he will shoot to the top of the list but again we're here to talk about why we like basketball, not Doc Rivers. Yeah, you so, seem very excited about the coaching search. You seem very <laughs> could motivated. could not care less until the roster is actually presented to me because Terry Stott says he knows how to make it work with Russell Westbrook. I'm not interested. I don't care about that particular coach if he wants to make things work with Russell Westbrook. That's where I stand. Yeah, I'm just going to not believe any of those Westbrook has a potential to come back stories. I'm just going to like think those are... Um, those are just stories putting out there for now, but you know, Russ was at the Sparks game yesterday and got a nice cheer from the crowd when he and his he wife, another fellow UCLA college basketball player, were shown on the Jumbotron. Um, just uh, I hope he's enjoying his time in LA. I'm glad he came out to support the Sparks. KCP has become a huge WNBA fan this offseason, by the way. He posts oh, really? okay. Washington Mystics highlights all the time. It makes me even more sad that he's not on the Lakers. Yeah, I, I love when there's synergy between the two teams. You know, Magic Johnson's a part of the Sparks. Uh, technically, they're not under the same ownership, but if Magic's part of both, like I mm-hmm. share the same building, they share the same colors. Derek Fisher's there. There should be more, you know, camaraderie between the two. 
and I'm just, I'm just happy that the Sparks are enjoyable to watch again and that you had a good time. And that is the basketball that I love watching at the moment, because again, we've gone through the de- the NBA part of it. That is making me a little less than happy. Yeah. There should, there should be more Lakers there. I mean, it's an off day. You have, there's no season, you know, it's, uh, it's a basketball game going on in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, and like would have expected. every NBA player summer is in Los Angeles. They should all be there. <laughs> They're all here during the off season. So that's yeah. fair. Come yeah. out, watch the sparks. It's a great time. Absolutely. All right. And with that, um, make sure you're subscribed to the silver screen roll podcast for shows about the Lakers and, you know, whatever Raj and I talk about every day of the week. <laughs> We'll be back next Wednesday. Apologies for the schedule change this week. Have a nice week.